Welcome to the Well Woman Show, where we use intersectional feminism, mindfulness, leadership, and strategy to support smart women to change the world without anxiety, insecurity, and burnout. You know, we have a vacuum of supports, in, especially in the early years. But what COVID has really clearly showed us is that, you know, no one, none of us were meant to parent alone. And that having greater societal supports actually gives parents to freedom to parent as, as they want, as all parents want, just to give their children the best possible start. So, so Parent Nation really is about, you know, what does the neuroscience say? It says that we start when learning begins, not on the first day of school, but the first day of life. It tells us that parents and caregivers are children's first and most important brain architects, and that the well-being of children depends on the support of their parents. And so this, this book lays out, I guess, a pathway forward. On the show, we challenge the status quo and support you to unlearn harmful messages that keep you playing small so you can activate your superpowers and live with joy, confidence, and ease. I'm your host, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, hello, well women. Welcome back to the show and welcome to those of you who are new to the show. On the show this month, I interviewed Dr. Dana Suskind, pediatric surgeon and author of the New York Times bestseller, Parent Nation, Unlocking Every Child's Potential, Fulfilling Society's Promise. We discuss parenting in America, including asking for help, building a parent nation, and why parental leave and quality childcare actually make a difference for our children. And if you're not a parent yourself, this is still a really relevant conversation for anybody in leadership or in policymaking or anybody that knows and loves parents in their lives. So please do listen through to this incredible interview. But first, I want to take a minute to acknowledge the pain and anger many women are feeling right now. It's been two weeks since the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and there's a real need to take care of our own mental and emotional health right now, and then take action. For tools and resources on taking care and taking action, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash 293show. As I said on the show this week, I have Dr. Dana Suskind. She's the founder and co-director of the TMW Center for Early Learning and Public Health, the director of the Pediatric Cochlear Implant Program, and professor of surgery and pediatrics at the University of Chicago. Dr. Suskind is the author of over 45 scientific publications and the best-selling book, 30 Million Words, Building a Child's Brain. Her most recent book, Parent Nation, is a New York Times bestseller, and she is a member of the American Academy of Pediatrics and a fellow for the Council on Early Childhood. Her work has been profiled by the New York Times, The Economist, Forbes, NPR, and Freakonomics. You can find notes from today's show at wellwomanlife.com slash 293show. The Well Woman Show is thankful for support from the Well Woman Academy at wellwomanlife.com slash academy. You can join us over there for community mindfulness practices and practical strategic support to live your well woman life. Now to my interview with Dr. Suskind. 
I'm speaking with Dr. Dana Suskin. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Suskin, I want to start by having you share with listeners, who are you in the world today? Well, I always like to say that my day job is as a pediatric surgeon. I take care of little children born deaf. I'm a cochlear implant surgeon. And by night, now actually by day as well, I'm a translational researcher at the University of Chicago. And I co-direct a center called the TMW Center for Early Learning and Public Health, which focuses on helping optimize healthy brain development for all children, especially children born into poverty by supporting their parents and caregivers. Mm, Okay. And just before we move into your work, because I have a lot of questions for you about, about your work, I just would love for you to share a little bit more about who you are in the world besides your job titles. <laughs> oh, you mean like a human being. So I I am a mom to three wonderful children and a bonus mom to five others. I am part of a melded family. My husband, John, is a behavioral economist at the University of Chicago. My late husband was a pediatric surgeon. So my lens is sort of one that's always been centered on children and families. I am a child of a social worker and a pediatrician who instilled in me from Um, I guess the very beginning, the importance of children and importance of supporting families to allow all children to thrive. Yeah. Wow. And so you have so many things going on here, pediatric surgeon, as well as a researcher and a writer and an activist. How did that all come together for you? And did you know that you were going to do all of this? No, no, absolutely not. The funny thing is I I view all of my work through the lens of being a pediatric physician. Really, my life's work is about allowing all children to thrive. My story begins much further back, but my, my recent story begins with being a pediatric cochlear implant surgeon. And as many of your listeners know, that's an amazing piece of technology that allows children born deaf the ability to hear to to talk to really mainstream educationally and socially. And it was the experience of seeing the disparities and outcomes of my patients with some thriving after implantation and others not that I don't want to say pulled me out of the operating room, but really forced me to step out of the operating room to try to better understand why this was and more importantly, what I could do about it. And it took me on this incredible journey that not only brought me into the world of education and social activism, but I guess here with you, I can tell you more, but it's a it's a very long story. Yeah. Well, and we'll, we'll get into it, I think somewhat, but I, I would just really love for you to share. I think it's so interesting that you started, you know, as with such a medical background and you've moved into social activism and I'm very interested in, you know, you you have a lot to say about supporting parents so that all children can thrive. How do you view that from a sort of social perspective and not just the individual? I think so much burden has been put on the individual. And you talk about this in your book, Parent Nation, Unlocking Every Child's Potential, Fulfilling Society's Promise. And we'll link to your book in the show notes. But yeah, can you talk about how you have done that both as a medical professional, but now as a, an author and an activist. 
Yeah. I view this all through the lens of being a physician, right? You have to do what you need to do to allow your patients to thrive. And what was quite clear early on is that while I could perform the surgeries and give children access to sound, so many other things played into their ability to thrive. In medicine, we call it the social determinants of health, those things that happen outside the the clinic walls that so impact children's ability to thrive. And in my own journey and really learning, I came to realize that a critical factor in the early years in allowing children to thrive was parents and caregivers and their power of talk and interaction. And that, you know, at the individual level, really, we know so much about what children need. They need rich, warm, nurturing interaction, talk and interaction and protection from toxic stress. So early on in my sort of own research journey, you know, much of my work, and it still does, centers on how do we give parents this powerful knowledge and tools to build their children's brains. Because what is so incredible is in the first three years of life, parents and caregivers are their children's first and most important brain architects, if you will. And so, you know, in my early years after stepping outside the operating room, I started a center. uh, First, it was called the 30 Million Words Initiative, now the TMW Center for Early Learning and Public Health, which really centered on this idea that talk and interaction build children's brains. But what became so clear early, you know, in my sort of journey was that here we could give parents all this powerful knowledge and skills and parents consumed it, but that society placed barrier after barrier in front of parents. And that, you know, here, you know, we were saying, here, go, you know, build your children's brains, but we were pulling parents away in so many ways in the, you know, the the normalized of, you know, having to work two jobs and having less than 30 minutes with your child to the really cruel and obscene of, you know, the issues of the carceral state or homelessness. And so, you know, going back to, you know, am I a social activist? No, I think I'm a physician who is seeing at each step what it is that we need to do to allow children to thrive and importantly, to support parents in that. I'm not sure if that's what you were looking for, but yeah, no. And, and so what is the role of the medical professionals in looking at the social determinants of health, because you don't have that much time. Generally doctors and surgeons, you have a very specific job to do. And so how have you created that space to actually look at the the broader issues? And, and also I would love to know like what your opinion is about medical professionals and their responsibility to look at the social determinants. Yeah. I, I think there's a growing understanding that the social determinants of health are critical factors in the health and well-being of our entire population. And so I am certainly not the only physician to be working on this. I mean, in the adult, in the psyche, I mean, in all realms, social determinants of health are critical. And what's very interesting about the, now we're getting off onto a different area, but what's very interesting about our healthcare system in this country is we spend a huge amount, but our return on investment is not that great because we spend a lot on sort of remediation rather than prevention, right? Uh, You know, I can be remunerated quite well for placing an implant, and I'm not disparaging that, but then we don't spend the the money that's necessary to allow the children to thrive afterwards. And, you know, in so many 
areas of medicine, you can see that. So, you know, in early childhood, it is even more important, right? Getting children off to a healthy start isn't just about allowing that individual child to thrive from a health, from an education perspective or a health perspective, but it has long-term ramifications, right? The, you know, some of the most expensive and costly later adult diseases, you know, type two diabetes and hypertension, uh, heart disease can be actually traced back to the early years. So there's good financial sense to be investing early in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. And and so from your research and from your work, what are the main systems that need to be supported in order for all children to thrive, in order for us to help parents build their children's brains, as you say, what are those systems? And I know I work a lot in women's leadership and workplaces, like how we can have workplaces that support parents, but what are the big systems that you're looking at? Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, really the framework of building a parent nation, the book that I wrote, I use the framework of healthy brain development as a path forward to imagine a society that truly values and supports the labor and love of raising the next generation. And and what is so clear is that they're all parts of society play a critical role to supporting parents to support their children. There's a powerful role of business and corporate America. There's a powerful role for obviously policy and you know government. There's a powerful role for healthcare for parents. And each segment of society comes together to really support parents, especially in the early years in nurturing, you know, the next generation, if you will. And I'm happy to go into each segment, but really it's, it's not just a, a, a policy play or a business play. It's a whole societal play. Yeah, exactly. And I love how you center parents in the solution that you're offering, right? It's like centering parents and what parents need in all of these solutions. And I, I would love for you to share just high level, just so listeners get an idea of what is the, the what are you suggesting has to happen here? Yeah, no, I, I think this, you know, ultimately this book is about how our society has in some ways failed to support parents of young children. And, you know, in sort of this idea of American individualism, we have convinced parents and caregivers that it's a go it alone phenomenon that, you know, it's all on you. It's sort of like buy, you know, somebody equated, it's like buying a puppy. It's all on you without societal value. And as a result, you know, we have a vacuum of supports in especially in the early years. But what COVID has really clearly showed us is that, you know, no one, none of us were meant to parent alone. And that having greater societal supports actually gives parents to freedom to parent as as they want, as all parents want, just to give their children the best possible start. So so parent nation really is about, you know, what does the neuroscience say? It says that we start when learning begins, not on the first day of school, but the first day of life. It tells us that parents and caregivers are children's first and most important brain architects, and that the well-being of children depends on the support of their parents. And so this this book lays out, I guess, a pathway forward. Yeah. Okay. And so if, if we have policymakers, CEOs, and parents listening to this show, what would you like them 
like, what is one next thing that people can do besides read your book and, and learn <laughs> and learn about all these different things that you've discovered and that you're suggesting, but you sort of, what is, what is one next step? Oh, goodness. I mean, that, that's a big, heady thing, but you know, I, I think, you know, from a societal standpoint, you know, greater investment, greater investment in the early years. Uh, what is so clear, we are an outlier as, as, you know, Caitlin Collins mentioned compared to the rest of the developed nation. We, you know, for example, you know, the average investment in childcare societally for most developed nations is an average of $14,000 a year. Our country invests about $500 per year. So first, let's invest more in the early years. And, you know, second, what can business do? Business can really start understanding that, you know, and I think business actually is moving forward even more quickly than policymakers to understand that, you know, what's good for parents is good for the bottom line. Uh, I think that they are suffering not as much as parents are with, you know, so many parents, especially mothers in the early years, being forced out of the workforce because of an impossible uh, choice set. And that, you know, supporting parents with flexibility, a living wage, you know, support and childcare can go a long way not to just raising the next generation, but, you know, keeping the economy afloat today. Um, but there's a there's a larger idea that's coming out that I've been thinking about through Parent Nation and just all of my thinking is that here, you know, we've got such a strong scientific case for the importance of investing in children and families. We've got a huge economic case to, that's already been made. If we didn't do one more research study, we know what children need. What I've realized is we don't have the public and political will to push it forward. And as I thought much more about it in writing this book and talking, you know, I found real inspiration from the AARP, believe it or not, that an AARP model, a parent caregiver organization that really brings together the collective voice of parents from all different backgrounds advocating for you know, the support, the support of parents so that parents can parent and caregiver caregive in the way they want is really an important step that will allow everything else to move forward. Okay. And AARP, that's an acronym. And I know that it's for aging. So actually, believe it or not, is so the AARP, they don't even, they're not, it used to be a, the American Association of Retired Persons, but they actually just go by AARP now, believe it or not, oh. they, they dropped it. And it's actually a really interesting story that I think is a real bright spot. Um, you know, today, you know, in this moment in time, you know, children are the poorest segment of our population. Parents are struggling, but there is no collective voice to really push forward the, the needs and the policies for this group. But believe it or not, half a century ago, it wasn't children that were, were the poorest segment of po the population. It was actually the elderly. Greater than 50% lived below the minimum standards of decency. They had no political voice. They didn't vote as a, a block. And the AARP and the Gray Lobby changed all of that. You know, through things like Medicare and Social Security, their poverty rates have dropped by 70% since the turn of the last century. No, no age demographic is better supported. And they, they are, you know, they bring together one third Democrat, one third Republican, one third independent advocating for policies and supports that benefit the entirety. And I've realized that 
in some ways, parents and caregivers and people who care about the next generation can be that for each other. And, you know, because, you know, we may take one step forward in these different realms, but you realize it's the long game. And if there wasn't an ARP, trust me, I think many of the different societal supports would be, would have been long gone. So yeah. Okay. I'm speaking with Dr. Dana Suskind, author of Parent Nation and a pediatric surgeon. We'll be right back. You're invited to join me for a brand new monthly group experience over in the Well Woman Academy. This is a monthly group that includes access to the full six-week course based on feminism, mindfulness, and the Well Woman Life Framework. It includes weekly groups, coaching sessions with me, as well as office hours and a private Facebook group to share and grow. Don't get me wrong, this is hard work, but with these tools, you will easily find the time to do the course, get the coaching, and reach your goals monthly. If you find yourself worrying about whether you'll ever make it in the thing you're pursuing, waking up in the middle of the night with anxiety, lacking the energy you need to get everything done, stuck in some aspect of leading your team, procrastinating on moving forward with projects and tasks, or in a leadership role but second-guessing yourself constantly, I'd love to introduce you to the Well Woman Academy. It's for smart, high-achieving women changing the world who want to overcome anxiety, burnout, perfectionism, and insecurity. The result? You get to live your well woman life, a life of joy, ease, and abundance, even when things are tough all around you. Visit wellwomanlife.com slash academy to learn more. We're back on the Well Woman Show with Dr. Dana Suskind. And Dana, we're going into a segment called Superpowers for Success. Mm -hmm. And I want to just ask you, it's kind of a quick round. So short answers. We have a few minutes for this. And I just want to start with what does success in life mean for you? That that I made a little positive impact uh, on the well-being of children in the country and the world, and that my children are happy and stable. Yeah, I love that. And when did you know you were really good at what you do? That assumes that I believe that. No, I feel like, I don't know if it's that I'm good at what I do as much as constantly curious towards a larger goal. So I guess my constant curiosity is what drives me. Yeah. And sometimes we create what we need in the world, or we write the book that we needed to read, right? I feel like that's what you've done with Parent Nation. Like you, you know, why you? Like, why did you need to write this book? And and you you pulled this together in, in a way that was like kind of only you could have done this. You know, I think it's just the frustration in seeing here, we have this incredible evolutionary gift where children in the first years of life, you know, 85% of their brain is grown. They are the future of our worlds, right? The future of our civilization. And yet society squanders this incredible gift. So I don't know if I'm the only one who could have written it, but it was just, it's got to change. It's just not right. Mm, yeah. And can you describe a personal habit that contributes to your own well-being so that you can do all of these things that you do? I love to read and I love to learn and I love finding connections between different areas of knowledge and bringing them together for, I guess, a greater, a greater purpose or a greater good. 
So reading and learning is really your, that's your wellness habit. Like that, that really energizes you and re re-energizes you. you. You know what it, what energizes me and keeps me sort of is feeling like there's hope and there's a greater purpose that I'm working towards, you know, especially in this moment in time, I think that people can feel slightly hopeless and to know that, you know, there is a path forward for me is is energizing more than yeah. exercise. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And what superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? <laughs> oh gosh. One is sometimes seeing the forest through the trees and seeing connections that may not always be obvious because in some ways, some of our biggest social issues, we know the answers. We just need to find the will in the way. So Yes, absolutely. And I I love that because listeners, you know, might be wondering, well, how does this surgeon and she's got so much success and and there's all this going on. And, and really, I I love just boiling it down to like, you know, the answers you got to get out there and, and share share your knowledge. But I don't even know. I would, I hope the listeners don't. It's, it's not about success. Success is when every child has a chance to fulfill their potential. When every parent is supported, you know, the other stuff is pure superficiality. Really, when we make this world a better place, then we can all rejoice and feel successful. Yeah, right. Yeah. And on that, since since we're just going to take a side note here on this, I, I think that there's a fundamental conflict in our country when we look at being a capitalist society where success is defined in a certain way. And then you have your, you know, you're talking about success in this other way. Like, how do we work with both of those? Yeah. Listen, I think there is a way. I mean, if we had another hour, you know, we could talk about the fact that the ARP in some ways is leveraging the power of capitalism for good. They're a $1.5 billion juggernaut and they've found a way to actually make it for good. So that's a different way, but I think it's really, what is your North star, right? And if you're, you, we are all motivated, incentivized by what drives us, you know, and you can say it's financial, or you can say, gosh, I am going to judge a good life by you know, this larger, for me, it's about the well-being of children. And it helps prevent you from attaching yourself to false milestones of success. Like, oh, writing a book. Oh, that's great. Successful. If it didn't shift how we view things in this country or make it better for children and families, you know, it's just paper. And I guess you, we all have to have our North stars and those are powerful things and know that it'll take you in lots of different twists and turns, but it'll hopefully get you to the right place. And you talk about the North star in terms of what you're trying to create, you know, in your book. And, and I often work with women on this sort of idea that you have these guiding these posts, right? These guides that help you make decisions. Like, should I take this job or should I go work on this thing over here? And it's a way of guiding you to make the decisions that are going to guide you to your North star. Right. So, so that's all really helpful. Can I add to that? Because it's true. I mean, you could say, you know, oh, you're a surgeon now working in social movements or whatever, but actually if you see it through the lens of the North star, it all makes sense, right? It is what drives your, your life. Well, and my North star is supporting women because I think when we support the most vulnerable, we can do some of these larger, make these systems changes. Um, Okay. So a couple last quick questions. (laughs) Do you identify as a feminist? 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm a feminist. I'm a surgeon. I'm, you know, anything about pushing forward good for all human beings. So yeah. Okay. I love it. And then last question, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? Oh, (laughs) this book, the AARP book by Christine L. Day. While many people will say, well, that's a little bit dry. Actually, it is a fascinating read, right? Um, Maybe I'm a little bit obsessed with the AARP at this moment (laughs) in time, but it is great. I'll do one more plug, which is uh, not by a female author, but a great author, Voltage Effect, which in full transparency is my husband's book on scaling. So it's a, it's a very interesting book. Okay. And we'll link to these books in the show notes. Dr. Dana Suskin, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your well woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com. As a reminder, we are on NPR every week. So be sure to tune in at npr.org slash podcasts and search for The Well Woman Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a moment and subscribe and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you were listening, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week.